think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Wednesday night, July 11, 2012. Welcome once again to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe, just Mrs. Pacino, and as always, seated to my right, my co-host and tag team partner, David Gomez. Sir, happy 4th, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, sir. I'm doing fabulous. I'm doing exciting. Wait, did you say happy 4th? Well, we're on the other side of the 4th of July, the unofficial start of summer, and all I can think about is when Vince McMahon used to always say, it's summertime, time for summer slam. Wow, that was terrible. Folks, the contact information, as always, let me ignore my partner. 718, wait, hold on a second. 877-337-6666. Sorry, folks, getting ready for tomorrow, and Joe will discuss that with you in a few. The number to call in tonight 714-364-4721. Once again, 714-364-4721. Check out our website, puregoldpg.com, where you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, and everything else under the sun. Check out all of our past episodes and all that PG goodness. Thank you, sir. We are on one of those two days of the year that there's no major sport played. Do you know that the day before the All-Star Game and the day after is the only two days of the year that there's no major sports played. So we are at the All-Star break. We will be talking about the Mets' first half and discussing their second half, uh, see what they have to do, if they, should, if they should do anything. We'll also be talking about, sir, the movie that came out last week, which, you know, has made a lot of money more than I thought it would, is Spider-Man. And then finally, not finally, but we'll be talking about Batman, the new movie coming out. But in particular... We're going to have a little debate on Pure Gold tonight. We're going to talk about Michael Keaton, and we're going to talk about Christian Bale. Who made the better Batman slash Bruce Wayne overall? Overall. We'll get into that, and then we'll also get into a great discussion since we're in the comic book discussion, comic book movie discussion. We're going to talk about female lead roles in comic book movies. We're going to see why they fall flat and why... You know, these directors can't pick the right actresses for this movie. So it's it's great discussion. Oh, of course it is, sir. That's just pure gold. It's always a great discussion, no matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about how much wood could a woodchuck chuck. If a woodchuck could chuck wood, and it would still be great. It would be. And let's before we get into what's on the rundown, folks, let's talk about what's going to happen 24 hours from right about now. Fantasy Phenom 3, the newest addition to WFAN's, you know, every year they do an annual Fantasy Phenom. But this year they've added a twist. You could bring a duo, and guess what, folks? That's right, Pure Gold is trying out tomorrow night at the Livingston Mall. Sir, are you ready to rock the world? I am absolutely ready to get Pure Gold! I can't wait. It's exciting. I know that you've gotten me pumped up because we've, we've been talking about this for a while now, and uh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. I think Pure Gold is uh, a back-to-back in a belly-to-belly, the best show, the most entertaining show, not just because I'm on it, but because we know how to bring the hard-hitting topic, sir. And could you imagine being on WFN in a regular spot? Maybe Saturday night. Maybe Wednesday night. Maybe Friday morning. I mean, maybe we're replacing Boomer's car. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Indeed. The one question I have is, 
I believe last year they, they let you try out only individually as a two-minute rant. Do you think we're going to get four minutes? I hope, Well, I don't see how two people can talk in two minutes because our intro alone <laughs> takes about, right. you know, <laughs> 65 seconds, and then we're going to be rushing through. So you got to give them more time. Uh, honestly, I don't even know how this is going to go. Um, I just can't wait. But if they hose us like they did last year, you can bet your sweet behind that next week, the 18th, we are going to be tearing it up, tearing <laughs> up WFAN, the Fantasy Phenom. We're going to go nuts. We'll see if Greg Sussman's available because he'll be out of a job, I think. Of course. <laughs> well, Greg was the fantasy field two years ago, so I don't know what he's doing. He still has a job, apparently, so. Anyway, tomorrow, Fantasy Phenom, Pure Gold, hopefully we'll be on WFAN. And, you know, it's only round one. We have to get through uh, another round and finally go to Bar A on August 24th, I think, and meet Mike Frances in person. Let him know what we think about him and what he thinks about us, you know. <laughs> I'm sure Mike doesn't think anything of us, uh, to be quite honest with you, sir. But, uh, Mike, we do the show on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows about that, sir, so I'm definitely excited. I'm definitely excited about that. <laughs> All right. But, sir, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes, and we'll see how the whole thing kind of plays out. Uh, you have out. a show on the Internet? Yes, Mike, we do. <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. And we, out of your home. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> yes, Mike, uh, out of our homes. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate Mike giving us a, a few minutes like he always does here on Pure Gold. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Yeah, Pure Gold. We said, yes, Mike, we said, we said that to start the show, Mike. It shows you pay attention. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Turnoff anyway. is listening to us tonight. We apologize, Mr. Turnoff. We'll get the coffee. We'll do whatever we have to do. <laughs> whatever. We just want to be on the air. <laughs> All right, sir. Besides Fancy Phenom, we're at the All-Star break. We're Mets fans, so the Mets, let's face it, first half of the season, they've played above expectations. Nobody, even I couldn't predict this team would have been 46-40 and 40 at the break. Um, you know, they're on pace. They, they won games they, should, they shouldn't have, and they've lost games that they should have. So, you know, what do you, you, know, <laughs> what do you expect of the Mets? The thing that we did want to mention is that before we went um, off the air two weeks ago, that was a long time ago, is that the Mets seem like to, to play down to their competition sometimes. They lost two out of three to the Cubbies again. Awful. They had lost four out of six total, which that right there, if they win, even go five and one, they, instead of six games over, they're 12 games over 500, which makes all the difference in the world, sir. Right. So they're, they're, the main reason why the Mets are 46 and 40 is because of their, their starting pitching. Santana's pitched great, a no-header first time in Mets history. And R.A. Dickey has been lights out, even though he didn't start the All-Star game last night. He has been lights out. John Neese has been decent. I had a terrible start to end the first half. Terrible start on Sunday to start. He's got, he's got pretty decent numbers overall, though. 7-4, 3.73, I believe, ERA, so that's not bad. Right, but he has one of the – he's the type of pitcher that has a blow-up inning. And if you – like, almost like Mike Pelfrey, you have a blow-up inning, and then you just lose the game. Make yeah, he gave up four runs in the, what, the first inning on Sunday? Yes. And that was that, – that set the tone for that game. So, so the, their offense has been streaky. I mean, injuries to Jason Bay and Mike Pelfrey also, I think, has been a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you. Jason Bay is like uh, the Mets' cancer, and, and Pelfrey, he couldn't figure it out. So those two injuries are almost uh, subtraction by addition or addition by subtraction. Yeah, whatever you call it. Uh, <laughs> call I, I, think, I think the fans know what we're talking about. David Wright is having a great season. He's not hitting for power as much, but he is coming around. He's got he, some RBIs, definitely. He's, all, he's almost pushing 60 there. He's number two. He's tied for number two right behind Carlos Beltrani. Sir, uh, throw this out there. How interesting would it be if Beltran was playing this way and still on the Mets? How, how great do you think the Mets would be right now? 
I almost feel like Beltran was a cancer in the locker room. Is that is that possible? Uh, no, because Beltran's a nice guy. He's a good guy. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe it was more Reyes than anything else. But you know. Oh, sir. By the way, um, I, I got to throw this out there. I know I have a lot of good friends, friends and fans over on Twitter. Um, you know, people that I talk to on a regular basis. Anyone who thinks that Ruben Tejada is a better player than Jose Reyes needs to get off the drugs, lay off the crack, stop snorting coke, stop injecting heroin into your veins. Uh, you know, and not to, to make light of drug use, but there's got to be something seriously, dementedly wrong with you because he is not a better player. He's played for like half a season. He's been injured. You know, the knock on Jose, he was always injured. Well, Tahan's been injured already this year. So let's calm down. Let this guy play three, four years. He wasn't a, you know, all-star caliber player. Jose Reyes was awesome when he was here. He's gone, so be it. But I just have to throw that out there because it really annoys me when I see these people tweeting, oh, Reyes is better, is worse than Tahan. Tahan's the best shortstop. Like, come on. The guy's barely been in my uniform. You know, but, but what you were saying as far as the, the injuries and everything else goes, sir, I totally agree. Glad Pelfrey's off this team. Bay, I say Bay was a cancer more than anything else, but I was just doing a fantasy booking, imagining how great it would be if Carlos Beltran was putting up those stats in a Mets uniform. The New York Metro Palatins. Correct. And, you know, we had a big discussion for throughout the first half of the season was about Ike Davis. He started out with one of the worst slumps you could possibly start out, almost a Mark Teixeira-like slump. And um, no, it was worse than Teixeira because Teixeira will do it for one month. Ike was terrible for almost three full months. Yeah, so the call to not send him down, and you agree with Terry Collins, totally not, agree not to send him down was probably the best thing for the Mets. They didn't send him down. He's turned it around. His average is up, what, 201, 202-ish? Somewhere in that range. What's interesting, sir, uh, Dan Ugler was on the All-Star team last night, right? You know what his average is? <laughs> Don't tell me 220. 221. Oh, my God. That's the lowest average I can ever imagine for uh, for an All-Star. This guy got voted into... Ike Davis has better numbers than him at a 20-point goal batting average. Like, come on, seriously, they should have put Ike in there instead of that, that crumb bomb ugla. Put Ike at second. I like Ike. I like Ike. So, so the Mets offense has been decent. It, it's streaky, just like the Mets are. They're streaky. They go on frustrating, and ultimately, it will be their undoing, sir. It will be their undoing. Duda's having, what, a decent year? Well, I mean, he's not hitting anymore. He's pretty much uh, scummed it up right now. Right. So all that given, all that said, sir, about the first half with the Mets – the question remains now, with the trading deadline coming up, what do the Mets do? Are they buyers or sellers? They can't be sellers. Uh, the Mets have to sit there, look at it, and say, all right, what can we do? What's the plan? Can we make moves? Are we going to make moves? What can we afford? Like I said, the Mets bullpen is terrible. I, any fan, and I said this off the air to Joe, I'll say it now. Again, those same Tejada nut jobs. Any fan who thinks that the Mets are going to win the World Series with this bullpen is on drugs. They're absolutely on drugs. It's not like the Mets rip off 10, 11 games in a row where they can go on this crazy streak. No, the Mets can hit sometimes, but then they can also suck it up. So anyone who thinks that they're going to win the World Series because they've got the advantage in the All-Star game, calm down, please. Please put put the, put the uh, you know, drugs down, put down all that other stuff. Just let, let's calm down, get off the Prozac. The fact of the matter is the Mets are making progress this year. They are not a, a winning playoff team. They are not a World Series contender. Uh, you know, they need to make a lot of improvements, but the problem is who can they get? What can they afford to give up? Who are they? You know, it, it's a crapshoot because I don't know what what's out there to get, and I don't know what the Mets can afford to give up because they can't trade Harvey. They can't trade Wheeler. These guys are their future. So, you know, what, what are they going to do, sir? That's right. You're not going to trade, like you said, Wheeler or Harvey. 
just like the Mets did, uh, what, five, six, seven, even maybe seven years ago when they traded Scott Casimir for Victor Zambrano. You do not want that happening. No, again. it was a horrible trade, but look, Casimir never proved to be anything. He, he, as a matter of fact, he's pitching in the Atlantic League uh, against the Somerset Patriots. I forget what team he's on. I think the Sugarland Skeeters. The guy's not even in, in Major League Baseball anymore or in any of their affiliates. So, you know, uh, that, that trade ended up being a wash both ways. But you're right, you don't want that type of trade. The Mets are always famous on the Omo Nanaya for either doing nothing or making trades just for the sake of making trades, so you don't want that here. And, the, you know, let's face it, in the National League East, the, the Nationals have been really good this year, the first half, but, you know, we go back to what I've said maybe a month or two ago, is that the Nats are still insistent on shutting down, you know, Steven Strasburg after 165 innings, especially after that Tommy John surgery. So, if you stay within three to four games of them, I, I mean, the Braves are are just like the Mets. They're not great. They're not They're not bad. So, um, I think the the Nets are going to be in trouble if the if the Mets hang tight with them for the next month or so. I think you're going to have a dogfight for this National League East. You're you're right, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know if you touched on this because uh, you know you got the whole thing with Strasburg. If he gets shut down, that that's going to ruin the the Nets' chances of winning it because he's a very good pitcher. He's their ace. If they really do shut him down, which they said they would. And what's curious to me is I know it's only one inning, but when you're on an innings limit, why would you even let him pitch in the All Star game? That's one inning that could go towards them, you know, making the playoffs or not. But if they shut him down at 160, they're in trouble, and then the Mets will probably overtake him in the East. Because the Phillies are done. I know John Heyman reported it. He said it. He believes that they're absolutely 100% done. Uh, the Braves are playing all right. I know the Mets and the Braves are in the uh, NL Central, apparently, according to Tim McCarver. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes, sir. But I definitely think that when you look at the overall team, the, the Mets have enough to compete. But to win it all, no way, no chance in hell, as Vince McMahon would say. When you look at adding pieces, I mean, I don't see why. I mean, the, I mean, uh, what? You're looking to to add some somebody that is going to ha- add some pop to the lineup, and I don't see why. And I think I've discussed this before. I don't see why the Mets can't make a decent trade and not trade their big pieces in the the minor league, obviously. But why not get uh, Alfonso Soriano in left field? I mean, that'd be a good fit for the Mets, I think. You mean a guy who can't field and is going to cost them defensively? Yeah, you're right. They don't have enough of those people on the field. They don't have Lucas Duden, right, who thinks Daniel Murphy is not a good second baseman, even though he makes the plays occasionally. You're right. You know, let, 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 let's bring in Alfonso uh, Soriano to scumming up in left field. No, well, you're not going to make. You're not going to bring somebody from a team that's contending. And nowadays, like every other team is contending, since there's two wild cards. So I would say raid the teams that are completely out of it, like the Cubbies. You're right, sir. Um, you know, speaking of teams that are normally out of it, you got the Pittsburgh Pirates who are leading the Central. I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. I'm curious to see where they end up if they can continue this, sir. But uh, normally the Pirates would be the type of team that you'd be looking to take talent off of, and that is not the case this year. What else surprised you about the – well, we're breaking down the first half of just baseball now. The, I mean, the fact that the, the, the Dodgers have collapsed and the Giants are pretty much going to take that division – to me, is no surprise what they're starting pitching. I just think well, that what surprised me, the biggest surprise I'd say in baseball uh, that I can think of is Tim Lincecum. That's terrible. He's having an atrocious year. His ERA is up around seven. I think he's like three and nine or three and ten. Uh, we'll have our, our vaunted producers look that up. But honestly, sir, I mean that to me is the biggest surprise because Tim Lincecum is an absolute debacle. So given all that, the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates were, were must be living in some kind of bizarre world. The Pittsburgh Pirates are in first place in the Central. The Giants are in first place in theirs, and the Nats, uh, with their young pitching staff, are in first place. I mean, and there's two wild cards. Let's not forget about that. There's Let's two. not forget about that, sir. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah. Lincecum, 3-10, 6.42 ERA, 
awful, sir. It's, his average against is almost 270. I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, just a couple years removed from uh, Cy Young, 13, 16 and 10, 15 and 7, 18 and 5, and now he's seven games under 500. I don't know if that's going to hurt the Giants, but could you imagine if Lindsey was actually playing well, the Giants would be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> they would. So this is why I think that the Mets, you know, they might not be able to make a big trade. I mean, who can make a big trade, especially with the Mets? We don't know about their finances. We don't know. And the Mets right now are playing fun baseball. If you ask me, sir, I would say have this team stand pat and go for it as is because you're not going to make a big trade. You're but, not gonna... sir, if they stand pat, there's no way they're going to win at all because they're, they're, they don't have enough talent on this team to win, sir. And, yeah, they're going to bring up guys in, the, in, in September like a Harvey, like a Wheeler. Um, I know there's a lot of fans who are sitting there thinking, you know, that, that of course they want that they want Matt Harvey to come up to replace Dylan G, who's out with a, with a clot. Um, instead, we're going to get Miguel Bautista, a.k.a. the Scumzilla. <laughs> you want Harvey to come up or Wheeler, whatever the case is. But the fact is that the reason the teams don't do this, the reason they don't bring these guys up this early in the season normally is because that automatically starts their baseball playoff time, their service time. It'll eliminate them pretty much from being a rookie of the year, not that the Mets are thinking about that. But it means that the arbitration comes up sooner, and they're going to have to pay them that much sooner. And obviously you want these guys under control as much as possible. So for all the fans out there upset that Miguel Batista's up, I don't like it either. They could have brought somebody else up, but they're not bringing up one of the two top rookies, sir. I'll give you the perfect example. The Mets need a closer right now, right? And I and everyone right. has mentioned the, the word K-Rod. I do not want K-Rod back on my team. I think he's actually one of those cancers in the locker room. Remember what he did to, what, his girlfriend or his wife? I believe he, he hit her or something like that. I, I, I think it was the father. I think, he, I think he beat up the girlfriend's father, the baby mama. But, sir, all right, if you can get him on the cheap, why wouldn't you want him? Because, I mean, he's good. He's better than Frank Francisco, who, who that, that was a bad move, the one real terrible move by Sandy Alderson so far. Why wouldn't you want him on the team, sir? I just think that sometimes when uh, the Mets have a good karma on their team right now, I think that they're having fun. They root for each other. They play hard for each other. I think adding somebody like a K-Rod would be a distraction. I, uh, you know, I mean, he might have good talent on the field, but like just as important is the stuff that goes off the field, like um, you know, car- like I said, karma and. Oh, yeah, there's karma. I, I, you know, anyone who believes in karma is a fool. I was talking to someone who, again, I think is is a good baseball fan, but I remember she was telling me, you gotta say she was saying that, you know, the the I, I was saying how, uh, you know, I didn't want David Wright to play too much in the in the All-Star game. I didn't want Dickie to play too much in the All-Star game. Because, you know what, any inning can hurt. Get They can get hurt. You don't want them playing too much because you want them to rest. They need to rest. And she was like, oh, don't jinx them, et cetera, et cetera. Jinxes aren't real. All that stuff is not real. Um, it's just it's just a, a bunch of you know malarkey that people say, and yeah, baseball players are superstitious, but that doesn't make they mean the sport is superstitious. And I just think it's complete and utter nonsense for me to say David Wright's gonna get hurt and he gets hurt. Come on, I mean there, there's fans rooting against him and hoping he you know a bus lands on him or something or you know he breaks his foot or whatever the case is. So I mean let, let's all pipe down with that stuff, please. Would you pipe down? I don't know if it's just me, but I think that Major League Baseball is uh, they have what maybe what three or four teams that could possibly win the World Series this year, if not maybe Holy, three. Who do mean, you think other than the Yankees? Who, Yankees, Texas Rangers, and, and maybe the San Francisco Giants. Those are the only three that I could tell you because of their pitching. So those three. So so the Giants are the only team in the National League that could win the World Series. I, I mean I don't have I mean I don't know enough of the Pittsburgh Pirates to tell you that this team is going to go all the way. The Nationals are going to shut down Steven Strasburg. Um, who, who else scares you? The L.A. Dodgers? I mean, this team is falling apart at the seams. 
But you still got a second half of the season, sir. You still got time. You still got a little a little action going on there, and there's a possibility that they could turn it around. I mean, Matt Kemp is coming back off of injury, so you got to factor that into the equation, sir. Do you uh, speaking of uh, the the American League? Do you, are you surprised that the the Yankees, despite injuries to Mariano Rivera, uh, recent injuries to Andy Pettit and CC Sabathia, um, this team has been able to play and has the best record pretty much in baseball now? No, I mean, I'm a little surprised. I think at the end it, it may bite them in the back, not having Mariano. But, uh, you know, Soriano has been doing good. Rafael, not Alfonso. And, uh, of course, Dave Robertson has been doing pretty good. But the, the injuries to Peta and Cece are all recent, so that's not going to affect them yet. It's going to affect them coming out of the All-Star break. So we'll see where they go, sir. And do you see, other than the Texas Rangers, who could actually beat the Yankees this year in the American League? I mean, I know you said there's a second half, but I'm not impressed with the Detroit Tigers right now. I'm not impressed with the Chicago White Sox. I guess the the L.A. Angels have turned it around finally with, uh, you know, their good pitching and decent offense. Finally. Um, I don't know, sir, to be honest with you. I think the Rangers, you know, they really have blown, the last two years they've blown their opportunity to win the World Series. and. I'd be shocked if they made it back to the World Series again. And as a matter of fact, if they did, I would root against. I mean, not that I'd root against them, because Josh Hamilton is probably the only non-Met that I actively root for. But I would be shocked if they actually won, sir, because they just cannot seem to get over the hump. Folks, the phone number, as always, is seven one four three six four four seven two one. Last night was the All Star Game, and it was to me the All Star Game is just a, like everyone says, it's an exhibition. I hate the fact that it's you know the the home field advantage for the World Series is decided by the All Star Game, sir. But I, I just think that I didn't watch the game. It was a blowout from the get go. It's um, it bothered me that David Wright didn't start, but uh, ironically enough, Sandoval and uh, Melky Cabrera counted pretty much for eighty five percent to ninety percent of the the run scored last night by the the National League. So it kind of proved I don't know whatever the fans were right that Sandoval should have started. I don't know. Well, honestly, sir, I, I I look at the whole situation and and I look at it. I don't know. I, I just I, it actually upsets me. It makes me angry that Ari Dickey did not start. And you know what? They ended up putting him in the sixth inning. This guy had the best record in baseball, the best stats, pretty much better than Matt Cain in every single category except for maybe one. I think Cain has like three more, three less walks than Dickey. And you're telling me this guy couldn't start? What a joke! You know, Tony Russo can stick it. It's an absolute scum fest, and it pisses me off. So they they shoved the best pitcher in the league in the sixth inning. How is that okay? How is that all right? And Wright should have started. He has better stats than Sandoval. Yes, Sandoval did good. Kung Fu Panda, whatever the hell they call him, sloppy jalopy, fat mess. It makes me mad. It makes me angry. I mean, the two of them should have started. End of story. Enough's enough. It's time for a change, as Owen Hart used to say. You know what? You are right, though, about R.A. Dickey. The man's 34. He's recreated. He's reinvented his um, his career, basically, at the age of 34. He's pitching lights out. Best record. Uh, most wins. Uh, I don't understand what... I. My dad tells me that Tony LaRusso does not like the New York Mets. That's why R.A. Dickey did not start. Well, that's very possible. I, I just don't see any reason why he didn't start. Matt Cain, all right, Cain pitched well, but why didn't Dickey pitch? The, why, he had a better better stats in every category, and the guy doesn't deserve to pitch because he's a knuckleballer? Come on, that's crap. Total crap. So, anyway, the Mets will be, I know you, you poo-pooed it, but the Mets will be hosting Game 7 at the World Series this uh, year. Of course. So, look out. Well, it's better, it's 
better than them than the the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, who who else who else is out there? So the National League has the home field. <laughs> I actually like to see the Pirates in the World Series because they've been so bad for so long. <laughs> to have them come back and go to the World Series and win it would be amazing because that may revitalize Pittsburgh. Actually, the fans will all be watching the Steelers, so they won't even pay attention. <laughs> yeah, McCutcheon, the center field, is having a great year on that team. That's... Yes, he is. I think the guy might need a haircut, but other than that, good. <laughs> other than that. So, sir, before we get into some entertainment talk on the other half, on the other side of the hour, um, just some other base, not baseball, some other sports nuggets. The New York Knicks have made some moves in the past couple weeks since we haven't been on the air. And Wait, the, what is the point? And the Brooklyn Nets, yes, the Brooklyn Nets have also made some moves. Sir, can you tell me what the Knicks are thinking about bringing Marcus Camby back? Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? Oh, hey, Mike. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. They got him three years, I think $14 million or $13 million. Marcus Camby was always injured when he was here. That was that was like five years ago. Now he's injured. You know, he's older. He's pushing forward. He's going to be 41 when this deal is over. I don't even know what they were thinking. I don't understand why they brought him in. Is Marcus Cam- was Marcus Camby a pretty good player? Yeah, but the guy's never healthy. So what's the point? He's going to come back here and do the same crap. I, I don't know. I understand. The guys made backup. They ended up bringing Jason Kidd also, sir. I just honestly, it makes no sense to me, sir. Actually, I'm sorry. It was almost ten years ago since Camby left this team, and they're bringing him back. That is a joke. I mean, if you're bringing Jason Kidd back to mentor Jeremy Lin, that's a different story. But I didn't understand that at first either. I think Jason Kidd's on the uh, what? He's got maybe two, three years left. If that, I mean, the biggest move so far in basketball has been uh, on the offseason has been Steve Nash going to. You know, Steve Nash is going to L.A. Lakers. and Kevin Nash? No, Steve Nash. Okay. And Ray Allen. Who? Ray Allen has gone to the Miami Heat. Those are the big moves so far in the NBA. So when I look at this, I'm looking at that Jason Kidd stats. Kidd and Camby are both 39, almost 40. I mean, wow. what the hell? What are they doing here, honestly? Let's be honest. I know Kidd made, made a – he was a big-time player before he went to the Nets, but he spent seven years there, so that was a huge thing. I was kind of hoping he'd go back to Brooklyn. Um, which team would you say has made better moves, sir? If you were going to look at it objectively, who's who's made better moves, the Knicks or the or the Nets? <laughs> no doubt the Nets. I mean, they've re-signed a young point guard, probably one of the top three point guards. Probably, in, in definitely, Durant. maybe. <laughs> I was going to do that, uh, especially since uh, he's young, and I I think that I thought he was going to go to the Lakers for sure, but he re, he re-signed with the Nets, which is a good thing for the Nets, and now. You know, talks have stalled over the last day or so, but Dwight Howard is the big key piece that people are going after now. seems like the Rockets or Lakers might get him before the Nets now because the trade talks have sputtered out, if you will, sir. But uh, the Yeah, NBA- the, the Nets aren't getting him, unfortunately, and it sucks for them. But uh, what do you think of uh, getting Joe Johnson in here? And, uh, and of course, you're going to have, a, hopefully, a healthy Brooke Lopez, uh, Darren Williams, who, you know, they, they made official via Twitter that they re-signed him. Um, and, of course, Gerald Wallace. What, what are your thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, Gerald Wallace and uh, Brooke Lopez are definitely key pieces for this team. I think that uh, immediately they become a playoff contending team, maybe like a six or seven seed. And if they ever got the way Howard, they would be obviously a little bit higher. But the, the... Wait, sir, where do you see Wall- – uh, not Wallace, where do you see Johnson? He's a seven-time All-Star, sir. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. I mean, is this a good move? They maxed out his money, so yeah, he's going to be here for a while. What do you think? I mean, he was overpaid in Atlanta, and he's going to be overpaid here in, in Brooklyn. But um, I, I think maybe a change of scenery will do him some good with Deron Williams. They'll, they'll have a great back for him. I mean, not Is it the, Deron or Darren? Uh, let's get Evan Roberts on the phone. We need to know what the pronunciation of his name is. We might find out tomorrow night. We could ask Evan tomorrow night. Oh, please. If he's Evan, make, me, make me sick, why don't you? <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> so, sir, I mean, I think that it's obviously 
Definitely. Maybe the Nets that have made the uh, better move so far in the offseason. And, and Steve Nash, to me, to the Lakers. Is, Kevin Nash? No, Steve Nash. <laughs> Steve Nash going to the Lakers is whatever to me. I don't think he's the final piece for the Lakers to now beat the, the Oklahoma City Thunder in the Western Conference Finals. I think that they have a good point guard. And, you know, Bynum and Gasol will still have to carry that team. Kobe Bryant is getting older day by day. By and, day by day. And it, I mean, Nash is 38, so he, he's an old slot box, too. What is up with the 38-year-old getting these major contracts? I'm not sure, sir. Let me ask you this. If you look at the two teams, right, our local teams, who are, are, the, are the Brooklyn Nets going to take away fans from the New York Knicks is what I want to know? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, are the Nets going to be successful in Brooklyn? I think the Nets are going to be very successful in Brooklyn. I think what you're going to think there's a real fan base. I know they don't have a professional sports franchise other than the Brooklyn Cyclones. Right, right. But uh, but you think they're going to be successful? Sorry, give us your thoughts on that briefly. I think right from the get go, this team, you know, getting Deron Williams back, getting Joe cool. Johnson, Darren Williams, Deron. <laughs> Whatever his name is, getting him back and getting Joe Johnson back. I think this is going to infuse some, you know, excitement in the team, and I think that this team is going to play well. Um, if they ever do get Dwight Howard, which would be huge for them, I think that they could contend with the Heat for the Eastern Conference. But like I said, those talks have sputtered. If they did get Howard, they would automatically be the second best team in the league. I mean, as no, that's hands down. The only problem with that would be. You know, I read something on Twitter. I think it was Steve Popper, our, our friend who's never come on the show. Right. He ended up saying that now that um, the the talks have fizzled with Mr. Howard, now he's in con- yeah. Right? Now he's in contention. The bright side of that is he's in contention to have the uh, head coaching job for the Orlando Magic. I mean, what kind of guy? You tell me, what kind of guy gets his head coach says he's coming back after the trades last year? Says he's you know he's going to be on this team. Gets his coach fired and then demands a trade. What kind of what kind of person is Dwight Howard? Yeah, you're right. That's not the type of player that I want on my team. Yeah, his talents are good, but for him to be like a, again a, a quote unquote cancer for the team, um, I, I wouldn't want that on my team. It's just like being too selfish, and that's what the NBA is. It's about a selfish league. It's about me, me, me. It's a, you know I want what I want, and if I don't, I want to get traded. So to me, um, as long as he doesn't go to the Lakers, because I think if he goes to the Lakers. The Lakers uh, probably will win a championship over the Heat next year. Um, I just want Howard to go to the Houston Rockets or the Nets. I'd love to see him in the Brooklyn, as a Brooklyn Net with that team. That'd be a fun team to watch. Uh, the, you know, you'd have then you'd have the Heat, you'd have the the Bulls if Derrick Rose is healthy. You'd have the Celtics up there. Yes, they're aging, but they added Jason Terry and they got rid of Ray Allen, like you mentioned before. Yep. The, yep. So the, the 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 East is getting stronger day by day, and uh, if Howard stays here in Brooklyn and gets to Brooklyn, I think that it's going to be a fun basketball season. I can't believe we're still talking about basketball. It's July 11th. We're we're at the All Star break. It's let's face it. That's why we're talking about basketball, folks. Sir? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that and the fact that we're only on once a week, so we have to cover everything. <laughs> and anything. <laughs> like it is. Maybe. Definitely. Obviously. So so let's take, like, a bunch of, like, commercial breaks now until, like, we get to entertainment talk because I thought our friend would be calling in. But let's uh, let's play some new clips. Let's play some old clips. Let's, let's play, play every, every clip that is possible. Let's <laughs> <go> back. <laughs> of course, folks, this is the greatest show ever. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City, I'm listening to Pure Gold. Oh, yes, I'm sure Dick Grayson. 
Jason is listening to Pure Gold now as we're about to get into some comic book talk, some entertainment talk. But of course, uh, before we do, folks. Now it's time for some entertainment talk here on Pure Gold. Folks, we are joined by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend. And folks, let me just throw this out there real quick. Lauren Lester's episode from last Saturday is actually a record-breaking episode. And the numbers come in, the fact the facts and the numbers don't lie. It's going to be the highest, most listened to episode ever in the history of Pure Gold. With that feather doo-doo, Hans is joining us this evening, this afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And yourselves? I'm doing wonderful, sir. Doing fabulous. Doing amazing. Joe, you call the shots on this one. Are Hans and I talking about Spider-Man while you go to the bathroom, or are we going to talk about Batman first? Well, let me pose a question, and then we'll get into it. Was Spider-Man, after viewing it, Hans and DG, because I have not seen the movie, and again, the real movie comes out in, what, seven days, four, uh, five hours, and 28 minutes. That would be The Dark Knight Rises. And by the way, somebody is going to watch that with me, so... Oh, really? You suck. Loser. <laughs> and, now, hey, Hans is going, too. Hopefully a dining movie theater, as I hear uh, the, my sources tell me. So, so Hans, l- let me ask you. Was the movie better, worse, just about what you thought, this new movie, this new reboot of Spider-Man? Um, I wouldn't say better. i say it's on the same playing field as the original Spider-Man. I know DG doesn't agree with me. There were some aspects that were a lot better that I thought were a lot better than the original and some that just didn't make sense to me. Uh, give us an example of something that you thought was better, sir. Uh, the web shooters is one thing. The fact that they were on the outside, I didn't really like, but I never really liked the fact that they were inside uh, his costume in the comic So you prefer that they were coming out of his butt like a real spider? No. I prefer it to be more like the comic book. Which is inside his costume, like I said. You fool. That's exactly what... What are you talking about? You're saying that you don't. You never liked it inside... Where do you want the web shooters, what I want to know? Tell I don't know, please. but I'm just saying it never made sense to me why they were inside the costume. But I'm le- I like the fact that he made the web shooters in this version that they didn't the come out of his arms like a, an idiot, because that didn't happen. Wait, I gotta, I gotta, hold on a second. You're muted, all right? You need to calm down, you need to regroup, and you need to clarify this. You said, you said, you told the fans, the Pure Gold fans, that you never liked on the inside, you don't like on the outside. Where the hell do you want the web shooters? Coming out of his ears? Tell us right now. First of all, you need to calm down, <laughs> sir. All right, that's it. This, this, is, this interview is over. It's over. All right, moving on from the web shooters. You're going to spend 20 minutes talking about web shooters. What else did you think was better? I know that you and I have you know, come to blows practically in, in person, but what else did you think was better from this movie series versus the original? I think the Spider-Man was better. I think he was more like the cartoon Spider-Man, the, um, the animated series one from the 90s. I thought the Wait, way he moved you, was... You thought, he was, you thought who was better? The new Spider-Man. Go to hell! Peter Parker. Okay, you were saying? <laughs> no, you go ahead, since you're yeah, always you right. Know, I disagree with you wholeheartedly on almost every aspect. Um, the movie was good, yes, taken on its own. 
Um, but when it's following this other franchise, I just didn't like it. I didn't think that it had that that same pizzazz. I think that Tobey Maguire is actually a better Spider-Man and a better Peter Parker because they made Andrew Garfield this emo, you know, cupcake loving, uh, I don't know what, this kid with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, last I checked, that's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man is happy-go-lucky. He's a nerd. And you and I talked about this earlier. They did not emphasize the intelligence of Peter Parker at all in this film. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you on that, that they they really didn't emphasize it. They made it seem, and I, I think I told you this uh, in one of our conversations, that it didn't seem like he came up with the formula. Like, he just stole it from his, his dad's briefcase and just gave it to uh, Kurt Connors. And the only comment they made of him being smart was in the lab with uh, Gwen Stacy. But they didn't really expand on it. He really wasn't a nerd. And it's like you said, he was this emo punk. Yeah, I didn't like that aspect of it. Uh, I also hated Spider-Man's outfit. I know, Joe, you've seen it, and you have not seen the movie, but uh, what, what, where would you stand? You like the original Spider-Man outfit, or you like this new one? I liked it from the Tobey Maguire movies. So the original one. Um, now, what did what did you think was better in the original films? Hans? Please. Uh, in Please. the original, really, um, I like the story. I like the way they developed it. I didn't like the last one. I thought that one was the worst of the three. Definitely. The costume was a lot better. It, it stayed more true to uh, who Spider-Man was, except for the webbing. Um, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's I don't like that, Toby as Spider-Man. He well, looked, like I told that. you today, he looked like an old sea hag by the time the second one came out. Look, sir, you need to stay off the medication, get off the Prozac. The fact is that you're you're nuts. But uh, aside from that, sir, um, you know, going back to the new film, I, I, I'll throw this out there. One thing that I did not like, I, I did not like the fact that the lizard was not an American. And I realize that in the Batman films, they're all from another country, but they all pretend to be American. I didn't like the fact that they did that. They never showed his family. They showed a wedding ring. That was it. It was never implied. And that's always been the conflict of the lizard, wanting to reunite with his family, be with his wife and his son, and then, of course, having this mutation that he can't control because he lost his arm. This movie did not emphasize that at all. Yeah, they did the whole uh, arm thing and the amputation and stuff, but that's basically it, and, and I definitely did not like that. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I, I didn't like the way they, they played that. Um, like we spoke earlier, they could have had the wife or the son answer the door when Peter came to his house. Something, a picture, something, just a wedding ring, that doesn't mean anything nowadays. Well, let's not let's not get into all that. Um, but you're right; it definitely they definitely dropped the ball in that aspect. Um, and I, I said this before, Joe. You'll you'll probably watch it eventually when it comes out on DVD. But one thing I did not like again is the way they set the film up. Now, as you know, Joe, and everyone listening out there, Uncle Ben dies. We all know that Uncle Ben passes away. But this movie, they basically took 30 minutes of the original, like IGN said, and turned it into this entire film. And what was what was interesting was that they spent a lot of time with Uncle Ben. Uh, not so much about May. She wasn't all that important or relevant in the story. She just happened to be his aunt. Um, they spent way too much time with Uncle Ben. Then when they finally killed him, yes, it had impact. But, you know, a cut, like, what, 45 minutes later, 30 minutes later, they ended up killing, 
Gwen Stacy's father, Captain Stacy, who also dies in the comics. And to me, the first death pretty much offset the importance of the second death. I thought they should have kept him alive to the second film, given him more of a prominent role, then killed him. And then, of course, you kill off Gwen in the third film to kind of end the franchise because, as again, if you've ever read the comics, you know Gwen Stacy dies, Captain Stacy dies, Uncle Ben dies. So this is not a spoiler alert for anyone. Unless they don't read the comics and then you basically ruined all three films for them. Well, they they haven't done what I said they would do. I'm just saying that that's the way the comic books are. And they already killed two people in the first one, so it's kind of like, all right, where do you go from here? So that I didn't like. I thought they could have really played the emphasis of the uncle's death and the captain's death differently. I thought one undermined the other. So all that given, all that you guys have uh, broken down on this movie, was it wise now... We could look back. Was it wise to put this movie right after the Avengers? Not right after the Avengers, but a month or two after the Avengers and right before Batman. I mean, what were they? What was Marvel thinking? And uh, you know, are they going to make the same mistake next year when um, the next Avengers movie comes out? I think they were just trying to um, cash in with all the superhero things. It it wasn't a complete dumb idea, but it wasn't the smartest either. Well, when you look at the whole overall picture, the movie made some money. It it did make, uh, interestingly enough, Spider-Man 3 is Marvel's most successful franchise, at, you know, right before the Avengers came out. Uh, it made the most money out of the other out of the Spider-Man films, and in a six-day period, it made it made about 30 or 40 million more than this Spider-Man movie, so I'd say it was hurt a little bit. I think in the long run, it will prove, it'll make money, but I think it'll fall somewhere. You know, it may be the, the least highest grossing of all the Spider-Man films, and that may be because of their time. And I don't understand. I get the summer blockbuster season, but movies still come out all year round. Why not do it in September? Why not do it uh, a couple months after Batman? Why not do it in August? Why not do it at a separate time of the year? Why two weeks before Batman is what I want to know, and everyone's anticipating it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, right now, as it stands, Spider-Man, the new one, has made $385 million worldwide since okay. its release. Yeah, which is what about a week or so? I mean, that that's those are good numbers, but again, that's less than uh, than the other films have made. Yeah, I mean. but yeah, you're right. They they could have planned for it differently. Um, instead of trying to cash in with with the Avengers, they they should have waited off till till the end of summer. Yeah, I mean that's that's my take on it. But one thing I did like, um, and this is part of one of our other topics of conversation that we can kind of throw out there before we, we move fully into the Dark Knight. I thought Emma Stone did a great job as, uh, as uh, what's her face? Um, Gwen Stacy, excuse me. And, you know, I mentioned this off the air. I'm going to throw it out there now to go out to the fans. The fact is I've always felt the, the worst part of the superhero films has basically always been the lead actress. When you look at the Batman films, Katie Holmes was terrible. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal was almost as bad And you know when Rachel Dawes died Instead of feeling the impact You were glad she was dead I mean let's be honest You weren't sitting there thinking Oh no she's dead Like oh finally she's off my screen I can, Let's get on with the rest of the Batman uh, Kirsten Dunst although a good actress She is not a good looking woman I'm sorry um, I mentioned this again Christina Hendricks uh, Calm down sir uh, Christina Hendricks Somebody like that Should have been Mary Jane Because let's be honest Mary Jane in the comics Is a supermodel Kirsten Dunst looks like she's modeling paper bags on her head. That's about the only thing Kirsten Dunst is modeling. And again, an accomplished actress, but totally unbelievable as this super hot, supermodel actress that she's supposed to be. 
Um, I thought Toby again was pretty was pretty well cast as Peter because he looked like a, a nerd, as it were. Um, and then of course when we look at the uh, at the other films, the Batman films, um, the other the original ones, you had Michelle Pfeiffer who did a good job. I'll give her that. Kim Basinger was all right. Nicole Kidman, blah. Uma Thurman was terrible. The lead actress in these in these movies has has really been the worst part of the film. Superman Returns, not a good movie. Kate Bosworth was the absolute worst of that movie, sir. She was the worst part of it. And now weigh in on that. What do you think about the female uh, role and why it's been so bad? Because when you look at the original um, Superman films, Margot Kidder did a great job. She was tough. She was strong. But she also needed to be saved. But she also helped Superman. Same reason I thought Erica Durant was so amazing as Lois Lane. But why do you think they dropped the ball so many times with the female leads and made them consistently the worst part of these comic films? Well, they're damsels in distress. They they're trying to play oh. that part up, which is horrible. I, I agree with you. Margot Kidder was a great Lois Lane because she she was tough as nails, and so was Erica Durant. You could see them playing side by side. You could see why. Um, Superman would fall for somebody like Lois Lane. But if you put somebody like, uh, like you said, Kristen Dunst, who is really just a bag of wet sand in comparison <laughs> to Spider-Man, I don't see wow. why he would ever want to be with her. One, her snaggletooth would rip right through his costume <laughs> if they tried to kiss. Two, she could have played the lizard with those teeth. I don't know what they were thinking. I honestly don't know what Hans they were thinking. Going nuts, folks. The and as far as the Batman, uh, the leading ladies in Batman, you're right. They were horrible. Hor- Katie Holmes should just go back to Dawson, and that's it. She should stay at the creek. Don't don't ever leave. <laughs> I think she did after she left uh, Tom Cruise. That's where actually she went back to be with James. She's going back to Dawson. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Nolan, the genius that he is, he creates these great movies, he casts everybody, but he seems he can't cast a great, like, lead female actress. I mean, like you said, Maggie Gyllenhaal sucked, and you were, I hate to say it, but you're right, DJ, you were happy when she died. <laughs> and that's sadistic, I mean. <laughs> it's definitely sadistic, but let me ask you this, uh, Joe, I'll throw it to you first. Everything you've seen, is uh, Anne Hathaway going to break that little uh, streak they've got going? Is she going to be a, a good lead as uh, Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman? Maybe it's just the fact that Catwoman is a great character. I don't know, but I think that Anne Hathaway is going to do a good job. Maybe you said for you, maybe definitely, obviously, maybe she's a little too skinny for the role, but, uh, but I, I think she's going to do a really good job from the clips I've seen on YouTube from some, you know, trailers, some from the pirated videos that you have, the, the bootleg uh, Chinese cut that you've seen. <laughs> I've basically seen the whole movie in, on YouTube by now. Uh, I think Anne Hathaway's going to do a great job uh, compared to the other ladies, like uh, like you said, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and uh, Katie Holmes. Those uh, are just one of the two worst people that you could possibly pick to be in these Batman movies. Other than the, the lead female role, these movies have been phenomenal. I agree. Hans, weigh in on that. Do you think Anne Hathaway is gonna is gonna prove us wrong that the female characters are the worst part of these films? I, I think she is. She's a good actress. She's a strong actress. I don't know about this being too skinny for Catwoman. I don't know she what you want. Three hundred pound gorilla on, playing. Let's be honest. Hans, Hans, you silent. Are you still there? <laughs> I'm still here. I don't think. She's too skinny. I think she's going to make a perfect Catwoman. I think she's going to be in line perfect. with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. 
I think Michelle Pfeiffer, as old as she is, would, would probably be the, still be the best Catwoman. What's that actress's name? Um, she obviously, I think she killed Definitely. herself in, in Superman Four. Hemingway. Oh, Ma- Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, Mur- Muriel. Yeah, she did kill herself. Perry White's uh, daughter. I, yeah. th- I thought she was a pretty strong character. I remember her being the bossy one. Yeah, but she also wasn't the lead actress in. No, no. I'm Superman just... Four: A Quest for Garbage. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that <laughs> it seems like ba- uh, Superman got it right. Batman hasn't gotten it right, and well, Superman Super- is turning it around. Superman Returns was, was terrible. Oh, right, right. Kate Bosworth was awful. Let's be honest. I almost forget about that movie every time I think about Superman movies. I think about the movies from the '80s. So that's what I meant. Sorry. Sorry about that. But, sir, I mean, other than the female lead roles, which was a great topic, um, a, another great topic which we really should get into is the fact that we're, we're nearing the end of this franchise, the, the three movies that Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale have made, and it brought up the, the topic, and I think it's a great discussion, Hans, is who is the better Bruce Wayne slash Batman? So the overall character, who's better at that? Is it Michael Keaton or is it Christian Bale? What do you think? I have to go with Christian Bale. And why? I just, I, I like him as an actor. I, I've seen him act Look, in you're, a you're, lot of different you know, movies. Hans, your inclinations, your romantic inclinations toward him aside, why do you think, why do you like him as an actor? I mean, you think, I mean, you think he's good looking, you like his hair? I mean, come on! First of all, you're a moron. Second of all, <laughs> he... We don't really see him that much as Bruce Wayne. There's very few moments where he's Bruce Wayne in comparison to to Michael Keaton. You see Michael Keaton um, more more Bruce Wayne than Batman, I think, in my opinion. I don't I, I know thought, how it was actually in screen time, yeah. but... Um, Hans, Hans, Hans. I, I thought Christian Bale was, was Bruce Wayne a lot in Batman Begins. I just saw it the other night. And I thought Well, Wayne, because he was also training and, you know, the dungles of... Uh, right, right. You know, uh, Clifton and stuff like that. Well, yeah. See, I don't, I don't count that as him being Bruce Wayne while he's training because Wait, who he's not he being that Playboy sure. billionaire. Well, was he Alfred? Oh, you're saying the cat, but he still is. He still is not Batman at the time, though. You, you, you I mean, that's kind of like indisputable. He, he wasn't Batman. He was just training. He's still AKA Bruce Wayne, AKA DG. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know what's funny is the fact that Christian Bale is a little bit more cut, like muscular, than Michael Keaton. And I just think that uh, the fact that Christian Bale has an accent and doesn't show it in these three movies is phenomenal. I think that that person. <laughs> I'd like to meet the guy, the kid that does that at your church. Oh, right? he's great. Andy is his name. He doesn't. Am- and how did you know it's true? Andy does a, a sick yet wonderful impersonation of Bruce. He really oh, does. And I'll give you this, uh, DG and Hans. I'll give you that Michael Keaton. I, I love Michael Keaton in part one of the 1989 movie Batman. I thought he did a great job. It was dark. It was well written. Tim Burton did a good job. Uh, I just think that Christian Bale is slightly above Michael Keaton, just for the fact that he's uh, he's like got the better build. Um, well, Chris, oh, you got to understand too is that Michael Keaton was a comedic actor, which is why they were ripping the, to shreds the fact that they chose him, and everybody's going nuts, and how did this guy get chosen, and blah blah blah, and yada yada yada, and yakety schmackety. But I have to say, I disagree with both of you, and you both deserve some sweet chin music and a battering to the face because honestly, I thought that Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was a better Bruce Wayne. Michael Keaton spent time as him. He made a difference, the differentiation between the two. The only difference between what Christian Bale does as Batman and Bruce Wayne is, where are the other drugs? That's all he does. 
He screams like a complete moron, and I hate it. And I love Christian Bale. I think he's a great actor, but I hate the screaming. It's just ridiculous to me. This guy's dressed up as a bat. He kicks the crap out of people. Hell, they invented a fighting style for him to learn for the original Batman Begins. So come on, this guy's bad A to that double crooked letter. He doesn't need to scream like a like some type of demon from the pits of hell to to get these guys these these scum villains and and scum on the street intimidated. To me. Again, I thought that Michael Keaton did a better job of differentiating between the two, but indisputably, undescribably, absolutely, definitely, positively, maybe. and no maybe, <laughs> Kevin Connolly is the best Batman because he was able to do a completely different Bruce and a completely different Batman. I rest my case. You guys can bite me. <laughs> let's let's also not count, uh, discount the fact that these three movies, and I, um, you know, I've only seen bits of, of the third one, but the, the, the you mo- said you saw the entire movie. <laughs> what are you, Hans? No, you said five minutes ago. You said the entire film. <laughs> Basically, seen the entire film, but these movies have been so well written. I think that the lines that Christian Bale delivers is great. You know, what makes you different than us? I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> That's great. No, no, my favorite is when he's hanging on the perch and he goes, uh, uh, when the citizens of Gotham do nothing. <laughs> they give this stupid speech regurgitating the idiocy that uh, Katie Holmes or A.K.A. Rachel Slorback Dawes had told them about you know the the, the the people of Gotham the good people of Gotham do nothing innocent suffer come on Bruce come on <laughs> you know the real debate and I just thought about this this is a really good question as we wrap up the show tonight um, if Tim Burton had directed the four movies and oh, Michael geez. Keaton was Batman which franchise would have been better this the 1989 version or this this version right Right here. Huh? This version. Well, I agree with him in that sense because no one is a better director. Uh, Tim Burton is out making, you know, uh, crazy, idiotic movie at Beetlejuice 2 with uh, with Johnny Depp and Michael Ke- I mean, he's making these, these, these horrible films with Johnny Depp, but honestly, I think that this is a better franchise overall. I think that the original franchise suffered greatly because of Joel Schumacher and the terrible casting that he did. I mean, Part 3 was bad, but Part 4 was the, one of the worst films I've ever seen. And Christopher Nolan has totally revitalized the franchise. But the problem is, and Hans, I'm sure you'll agree with this, he's left DC in a lurch. Because once, once this film is over, once July 19th hits and once Joe has already, you know, uh, you know, soiled himself with excitement after watching the film, um, there's nowhere for the Batman franchise to go but in reverse and get somebody in here bringing the more totally reboot the franchise and make it unrealistic, but it hurts the DC uh, properties like uh, Justice League. How do you tie reconcile this Batman with the rest of the DC universe and the movies that DC wants to make? You, you can't. I, I agree with you. Nolan, as even though he set the bar pretty high for, for this Batman franchise, he kind of kicked himself in the sack by by doing it this way because you can't include anybody else. There's no room for Superman. There's no room for a Justice League. He completely alienated Batman from all these other characters. It's true, and, and that's the part that that's the part that I told Joe. What, what kind of frustrates me? I mentioned this earlier to you, but I, I read online that the new Batman game you had Arkham Asylum, then Arkham City. Instead of going to the next level, they're going back in time to the Silver Age Batman. They're going to have the first meeting basically between Joker and the Batman in the video game, and they're going to tie the Justice League in there. And a part of the reason they're doing that is to kind of bring tie that into the franchise in you know a couple of years that they're going to be working on. I just hope that if they do a Justice League movie, it's not a colossal flop. 
They need to take the onus from Marvel, but the problem is Marvel set up these films with this film and the success that it was with individual successful franchises. DC has not done that, and I hate to see who the hell is going to be playing these characters because I think they're going to crap it up. Hans, I know you've yeah. seen that 30, 13 minute clip, and I don't think DG has yet. No, that new clip that we, we were discussing the other day. But what's most interesting about that clip, I believe it's in that clip, is that Alfred has this one line that really um, strikes. Oh, geez. Uh, it really brings it home. That makes me think that if Nolan really creates another script, I think Bell will come back and they'll make a fourth. He says something about, to the effect, I don't know if you remember if, uh, Alfred saying this, but he said something like, you're just thinking of one way of ending, you know, of, of your journey coming to an end. He goes, sometimes there's a person that rises out of the darkness to take that on. Does that give us any inclination that maybe there might be a fourth movie or th- the fact that, you know, Joseph Levitt's role is going to be Nightwing and they're going to they're going to carry on the the franchise that way? I think it it's more to just tease us with it. I don't think they're really going to do anything. I think Nolan's pretty adamant about ending the series. Um even though Bale has made comments that if he does write another one, he'll come back as Batman, giving everybody uh, some hope as as for a fourth one, but I doubt it. I don't see it happening, especially if they're wrapping up at, as they're making the team. They're they're coming full circle with the story, which they mentioned in that 13 minute clip, and they've been saying since uh, the beginning of of the production of this movie, it's to close out the Batman story, which is a terrible mistake on Nolan's part and DC's for allowing him to do that because. Basically, you're just telling everybody, well, Batman's done. We'll never do another one. Well, I mean, they're going to have to... I'm sure that they're going to reboot it at some point, and they're probably just going to ignore everything that Christopher Nolan did, and they're going to go from there. I mean, let's be honest. I don't see any way around it, sir. There's no way that you can leave Batman this way, not do anything, and then jump into a Justice League when Batman is totally unrelated to... You know, that Batman is totally unrelated to this Batman. They're going to have to reboot it, do something. What I told you today would have been interesting, Joe, um, and, you know, I mentioned this to Hans earlier, is if... My only issue is that if Joseph Gordon-Levitt is going to be quote-unquote Nightwing and in the comics Nightwing becomes a cop and I think he does change his name. I don't think he's Dick Grayson, but I could be wrong about that. Um... You know, and he's he's Batman's disciple, et cetera, et cetera. If they had introduced him, even if it's just a small part in the in the second movie, maybe guarding the uh, Harvey Dent at the hospital gets knocked out by the Joker, he makes it out alive when the when the uh, hospital goes up in smoke. But introduce him so that you, the audience cares a little bit more about him. Come this third film, they make it seem like in the trailer that him and Selena Kyle know who Bruce Wayne is, know everything about him, and they're worried about him. But they have no previous connection to him aside from this film. So what they could do, which would be cool, is if they were to somehow bring Christian Bale back, make not a fourth Batman but a Nightwing film, and in those eight years, sir, the whole explanation of him being gone eight years can also tie into he was training John Blake, who really is Dick Grayson, to become Nightwing, and you can have Christian Bale appear, voiceover, uh, talking, no Batman, but he's Bruce Wayne, training Nightwing. I mean, to me, that would be the perfect way to spin off a new franchise. That that would be a great way to do it, but which means you know, they won't do it. <laughs> they won't do it. What does does DC throw a lot of money and ask Nolan to be the director of the the DC comic book movie coming out? You mean Justice League? He Justice? said he said he won't do it. Even if they throw like tons of money on him. Well, they, the problem is, and I'm sure Hans would agree with this. 
they, they've written themselves into a hole by throwing tons of money and basically saying, hey, here, uh, you know, have your free reign. They, they've, they've really pigeonholed themselves, so I can't imagine they want to do that with the Justice League because they'd be asking Nolan to go completely against his vision for what Batman was and make Justice League all supernatural. His his vision of Batman, like we said before, does not work with the Justice League full movie. Hans, uh, why don't you chime in on that? Uh, you're right. Having even though he's a great director, great writer, uh, him and his brother Amazing. as a team. Um, you're right. Having him as a director for for anything else would would just devastate the the franchise because he he doesn't want to be imaginative. He how is he supposed to do Superman if he doesn't want him to be from outer space? How will he do a Green Lantern or a Flash or any of the other Justice League guys? The current Justice League roster, if they go that route, who knows? They'll probably pick some idiots from the 1980s uh, Justice League. I mean, but I think he, he won't do do it as well as Marvel is doing it. Right. So I, my final debate question that I have, because I know we we discussed it, and I have it in my rundown here, is I know DG is so adamant about the fact that this movie takes place eight years after The Dark Knight. Um, after watching the movie in pieces on YouTube, I I, um, I I actually agree with it now, and I know DG doesn't. Hans, where do you stand on that? It depends how they're going to do it, um, because I've heard rumors that there's going to be two time lapses, one where Bane breaks Batman, and there's going to be a time lapse before he comes back, which is, I think, referencing to the fact that uh, you see Bruce Wayne walking around with a cane yeah. uh, in some of those clips. So if they're going to do that, if they're going to start the movie eight years later, Bane breaks his back, hey, uh, two years after that, he comes back. I think it's ridiculous. He's going to be too old to be Batman. <laughs> He's going to be like 50. That, that's the part where you now, continue the conversation, sir. <laughs> as it stands now, if it's just eight years in the future, I don't think I don't mind it as much as uh, DG does. I hate it. I think it's uh, I ridiculous. Have to, I have to see what they do with it. I, I think eight is a weird number to go with. I don't know why Nolan decided. I don't know if he threw a dart at a at a wall with a bunch of numbers and it just happened to land on eight, but I think eight is a bit much. I think he likes to drink eight beers while writing his uh, movies. It's because if you Maybe. take the number eight, if it, it's because if you take the number eight and turn it sideways, it's the actual the symbol of infinity, and um, it ties in perfectly with Inception, which you know <laughs> he never he still hasn't woken up from that dream. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. I like my eight beer theory a little bit better. Okay, but you know what? If you look at the situation, though, to me, I say it again, and Christopher Nolan's great. Eight years is idiotic. It should have been three years. It should have been a short gap because how could Batman be gone from Gotham City for eight years? Gotham City was was a disgrace beforehand. Then again, he's going to come back, get his back broken because he's been out of the game for so long. If you did three years, he comes back, Bane breaks him, Bane brings him out of retirement, breaks him, then he comes back a year later. All right, four years, okay. But like Han said, if it's eight years, he's gone. Then he then he gets broken, comes back two years later. You're talking you're talking an entire decade. I mean, it's just ridiculous. What is Christopher Nolan smoking? And and also, to add to that point, in that 13-minute clip, uh, they say how Bruce Wayne is um, affected by all the things that he, he did as Batman, fighting crime and everything. Um, what was he doing for eight years? Going to see a therapist? There's no way that only two years after being Batman, he's all all messed up from it. 
I think it's going to take a little bit more time uh, in, in the suit to do do some psychological damage like that. Right, and you know, if, if they were going to go with with the route that, um, you know, again, there's a gap, and the gap is closed by Bane, and he's coming back because Bane broke his back. All right, but he disappears. He says at the end of the part, you know, I'll be whatever Gotham needs me to be. So Gotham needs you to be disappeared for almost a decade. Come on, that's dumb. Uh, that, that's the one thing I see as being bad about this film, and I don't care what Christopher Nolan does. I'm, I'm going to hate that part of it at least. It, it looks like not only does his back get broken, but I think he's kidnapped by Bane for about two years and, and put in his prison, and then you know he basically has to break out of that prison, a la Alcatraz or something like that. And, and Alfred somehow is taken with him. Oh, you think that's Alfred that says rise? I, I don't know, unless it's one of his homeless bum friends that he meets out there in the prison where Bane is beating him on a daily basis and whipping him like a dog. Like a dog. And like that a sounds dog, exactly right? like Alfred. I, uh, D- DG, I mean, Hans, hold on a second. Let's uh, play two of our favorite quotes. Me and, me and uh, DG will act it out, right? You still haven't given up on me, Alfred, have you? No! <laughs> and, uh, you know, when... Uh, you want to Joe Chill, uh, yeah. He said you killed your father. He said your, do- your dad begged. He begged the kid like, 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 like a dog. Like a dog. <laughs> Two of our most favorite lines in that movie. Uh, absolutely best. I love what he says. Like, that kid begged like a dog. Like a dog. And Hans, before we let you go, since we're in the over one, what did you think about this? This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City... I'm listening to Pure Gold. Take that and smoke it up your pipe, Hans, huh? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I love that. Me too. Sir, as always, a pleasure. Yours, of course. Thanks for joining us. Uh, now you can no longer complain that we put you on for five minutes and kick you off, but I'm sure we'll have you on again soon in the near future. Like next week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> next week, yeah. Sir, have a good one. You too. Folks, there's one with Hans joining us, and this show is over, folks. We are coming to a close. Joe, it's been a pleasure as always. Be great show. Before we go, sir, let's uh, let's talk about our new, uh, not our new start time, but next week we have a special start time, uh, and we have who? Jennifer Lilly returning? Well, we are in the process of having Jennifer Lilly returning, and we will keep you informed. Uh, we'd like to have Jen back on. She will not be able to make it at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check the Twitter, check the Facebook, check PureGoldPG.com, check every social media you can. Maybe we'll do a YouTube video about it. Uh, we'll let you know the start time, but make sure you tune in next week because it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be on Wednesday. If we make it to the next round, I think all we talk about is Fantasy Feed on 3. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to talk about We're going to forget about everything. Um, that'll be an entire hour-long show, but folks, Again, thank you so much for joining us. We, as always, appreciate your time. Thank you for your courtesy, as Doris from Eagle Park used to say. Huh, what's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. Folks, puregoldpg.com for JBDG signing off. And no matter what you do, no matter what you say, always keep it PG. Good night, everybody.